0: We're with me to Second Corinthians ten, verse one. 2 Corinthians ten, verse one. Years ago, uh, when I was living in Texas, we had an ice storm, and the power went out. And uh, for us, it was out for three days, uh, but for many, it was out for months. And uh, behind the scenes, the power company was working. Uh, occasionally, we saw them out, but. Uh, Mostly, we didn't see the work they were doing. But over time, with persistence and consistent work, they overcame this problem of the power outage and power was restored. Uh, We have, as Christians, uh, a battle that is being waged against us. The devil is trying to put out the lights of Christianity in this country and around the world And you and I have been given tools and equipment to stand against, to battle against, yes, even to war against the power of the evil one. I'm convinced that our personal lives are at stake in this battle. Our families are at stake. This church is at stake. This country is at stake in this battle ...that is being waged. It is waged whether we acknowledge it or not. It is waged whether we participated in it or not. Uh, It is something that the enemy has consistently been doing. Paul understood this. He was writing to the church at Corinth. They had some issues and problems. and Apparently, uh, some people who were false teachers had risen up in the church... ...who were teaching the people things they shouldn't be teaching... And who were criticizing Paul because they wanted to get the authority and the power that Paul had for themselves. So they criticized him. They ran him down. They said, oh, he's, he's strong in his letters, but he's weak. He's not a strong leader. He's, he's weak when he's there in person and uh, doesn't deal with the problems in the way we should. But we, on the other hand, had the answer. And so they, they were opposing him. But Paul saw under the surface of what was a physical confrontation to a spiritual reality. And he realized that there was a spiritual battle being waged for the church at Corinth. And so he, he gives some guidance to them. He says, look, he says, you, you, you've said some of these things, but I want you to understand that I have been praying not to get into a confrontation with you, but I'm willing to do so if necessary. But he said, I want you to understand something. We are waging war. We're waging battle. And we do so with weapons that are powerful. They're spiritual weapons. And these weapons can overcome the power of the evil one. Yes, all the high, exalted things of the enemy can be overcome through these weapons that we use. Don't think we're without power. Don't think we're unable to face the threat that is there so paul writes and it's kind of a confrontational uh, statement but it looks beyond because in ephesians paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world so our real struggle is not with people even though there may be a genuine struggle there our ultimate struggle is with the spiritual world and so we handle these problems with spiritual weapons. And if we get a hold of this and we begin to use these spiritual weapons in our lives, I think it can make a huge difference in our personal growth as Christians, in our families. Uh, if you've got a, a wayward child, it can make a huge difference. I've seen, seen that happen in my own family. Um, and, and God is able to work and to move uh, through these spiritual weapons and so uh, we need to wage war spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and the authority of Jesus' name. And the title of my message is Waging Spiritual War. And look with me at verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 10. It says, Now I, Paul, myself, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble among you in person, but bold toward you in absent. I beg you that when I am present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which which I plan to challenge certain people who think that we are behaving according to the flesh. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish uh, any disobedience once your obedience is complete. So waging spiritual war. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to pursue peace with gentleness. We need to pursue peace with. With gentleness. Now, that goes against the world's way of doing things, right? The world says, you hit me, I hit you harder. You say something about me, I say something about you. Uh, You cause me trouble, I'm going to cause you more trouble. That's the way the world thinks about it. But we as Christians are to deal with problems and deal with opposition first in a spirit of gentleness and love. What What did the scripture say? they shall know we are Christians by our love, right? The one characteristic that is to set us apart above everything else is the characteristic of love. So Paul says, I have been gentle with you, and this has been on purpose. I am coming to you in the meekness and gentleness. Actually, both of these words can be translated gentleness. The second one has the idea of being gracious. Aren't you, don't you love gracious people who, who are kind to you when you don't deserve it? aren't you glad when people are patient with you? Uh, all of us have hangups, right? All of us say the wrong thing at the, at the right time <laughs> or the wrong time. And uh, we all have these issues at times and praise God for those people who love us in spite of where we are. Were it not for that, none of us would get very far in our spiritual walk, would we? Because we grow as we learn to overcome these things in Christ's power. And so uh, we pursue peace. This is one of the things that um, the Scripture says is part of the characteristic of a person who fears God. They seek peace and pursue it. So peace is a pursuit. Peace is a goal. Peace is something they're considering how they might achieve, right? So when that person wrongs us or perhaps Maybe is doing something in the church that's inappropriate. We think, okay, how can we face this with gentleness and pursue peace in this situation so that we can build a bridge rather than set up a, an armament against someone else? It's amazing when you deal with people in love how sometimes they will respond. And it, it, it's amazing. And trust is built, the problem can be overcome. Other times, somebody may not listen to you, but that's not up to you. That's up to them. But we pursue peace. Now, in some cases, there may be those times, just as Paul is apparently on the verge of having to do, where we may have to take a strong stand. But we do that as a last measure, and we do that as we cover it with prayer. Even better, cover it with fasting and prayer, if if it has the potential to cause a great problem in the church but we pursue peace with gentleness now it's amazing paul is an apostle okay big a apostle he is uh an eyewitness of jesus himself uh there are no big a apostles today you had to be an eyewitness of the things Uh, matter of fact to be a member of the 12 you remember when they appointed matthias they said they said you you've got to be a witness of all that Jesus said and did from the time he began his ministry all the way through to the end. So these big A apostles, those who set the foundation of the church and pinned the pages of Scripture, were those who were either approved by an apostle or those who were these big A apostles. uh, And they had a unique authority. Um, There is authority uh, in a pastoral position But there was even more authority in in the position of apostle. The apostles were considered to give an authoritative word of Christ for the early church. Especially in the time when scripture was still being written. So they they were the protectors of the church. They were the, the ones who gave this guidance. And Paul has all of this power to come down with a heavy fist. But what does he do? He pursues them with gentleness and with love. You see, strength is not showing how much of a of a uh, how how vigorously you can oppose somebody. Strength is, is having those things under control so that you can you can love people and then if that strength has to be used you can that strength comes out. But Paul Paul says I've got this authority, but I've come to you with meekness and gentleness. So he sets a great example for his church. Um, I want people to be gentle and gracious with me, right? So y'all pray for me that I can be gentle and gracious with you, amen? And we'll, we'll bless each other. That's what, that's what we're to pursue. So waging spiritual war, and that undercuts the purpose of the enemy because what does he want to do? He wants us to fight against one another. He wants us to be bitter and angry. Can I tell you something? Nothing quenches the Holy Spirit of God quicker than a church that's in a fight. Um. I can I can remember in, in the past uh, there being a season of time where uh, I just sensed there was something wrong. I didn't sense the freedom of the Spirit of God as I had at other times and. Later on, I found out that there was someone in the background going around gossiping to different families in the church, and there was anger, and there was bitterness, and there was animosity. You see, the devil uses that. I'd hate to be standing before Christ when Christ gets ready to discipline using my gossip's tongue to create discord in the church of God. So, And by the way, I don't know of that going on right now in case you think I'm preaching to somebody. I'm not. okay? I just, but this is just something that needs to be mentioned from time to time. Uh, this is the devil's strategy. This is what he tries to do. And so when we pursue peace with gentleness, we undercut his purpose. When we love people when they don't deserve to be loved, we undercut his purpose. It is a, a way of waging spiritual warfare. Through the love of Christ. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, waging spiritual war, how do you do it? We need to pursue peace with gentleness. Secondly, we need to expect unfair opposition. We need to expect unfair opposition. Now, he mentions it in passing here. It's kind of uh, ironic, maybe a little bit of sarcasm here. I who am humble among you in person, but bold towards you when absent. He explains that elsewhere in this book. But here he just mentions it. They had been unjustly criticizing him. Um, I remember um, in a previous church, I I had a, 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 t- a fellow that was a, a problem. I mean, he, he was a center of trouble everywhere he went. I mean, it just surrounded him. And uh, there was a fellow in my church who... He just got downright angry with me one day. And he said, you need to take the bull by the horns and deal with this guy. That's about the way he said it. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I said, I'll pray about that. And I, I didn't feel led by God to address it strongly at that point. And, and then later on, when God did, did give me the freedom to address it, I realize what a mistake it would have been to address it that way back then. Um, so um, he's he's saying, "Look, expect this unfair opposition." I'm going to tell you something. If you serve in the church, I don't care whether you're a Sunday school teacher or a children's worker or whatever position you you choose to serve God. At some point, somebody will criticize you unfairly. Just expect it. It's going to happen, and the and and the. The higher up you get in your service, the more it's going to happen. People are going to misunderstand you. They're going to criticize you unfairly. And so sometimes we just got to realize that's part of the, it comes with the territory. Uh, The enemy will implant thoughts within people's minds. I I believe that with all my heart. You say, preacher, you're weird. Uh, You really believe that stuff? Yes, I do. I believe the enemy is at work in good, well-intentioned people sometimes, and he'll put a thought in their mind, and it will come out their lips, and they will criticize that person who's serving. Why? Because he wants to discourage. Right? His goal is anybody who's serving God, anybody who's doing good things for God, he wants to take them out. He wants to discourage them. He wants them to quit. He wants them to think, it's not worth it. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody sees it. Uh, and, And all I get is criticism. And he wants them to quit. It's part of his strategy. So just expect that unfair criticism when it comes. And don't be surprised by it. Now, Paul did deal with that. He explained what his heart was. And sometimes you have to do that. Uh, you have to, sometimes you can ignore criticism, but other times you've got to address it. Uh, if it becomes a big enough issue, you've got to uh, explain to people where you are and, and what your are thinking is and why you are doing things the way you're doing them. Because uh, the people that are trying to support you need to understand uh, where uh, the other side of the story is. And so, uh, but this is something just to expect. It is something the devil does. Did you know the devil's an accuser? Zechariah 3, Zechariah sees this vision, and they had a priest. This is not Joshua that fought the battle of Jericho, but they had a Joshua the high priest in Zechariah 3. And in Zechariah's vision, this Joshua is standing before God, and he's clothed in these filthy garments, and Satan is accusing him before the throne. Look at this lousy high priest look at look at these filthy garments he's not fit to be here you know so forth and so on i love the fact that the bible says the angel or messenger of the lord the messenger of the lord is jesus christ he comes and he intercedes on joshua's behalf and he takes that filthy garment off and he puts a, a a white shining robe upon him So that he's fit to be in the presence of God. By the way, that's what Jesus did at the cross. And Jesus is our advocate. And so Satan may accuse us, but what did Jesus say to his disciples? Rejoice when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Um, I, had, I had one fellow in a previous church who used to try to catch me doing something wrong. He'd suggest things to me. One time he said, he said well, why don't you just put that on the church credit card? I said, I'm not going to do that. He said, well, our last pastor did. <laughs> and so I knew he was watching to see he was trying to catch me doing something wrong. Did you know there are people that will do that uh and 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 then, if they can't find something to accuse, you, it's like Daniel they trying to come up with something with Daniel they couldn't find anything to accuse him about, so they said, well, we'll have to come up with something that we can get him related to his God, and so you know they came up with the whole thing about only praying to uh, the king, and so uh, they dealt with Daniel that way, and of course God ended up delivering Daniel, Jesus. The most perfect human being to ever take a breath was falsely accused. In his trial, they were all, there were all these false witnesses going back and forth. Pilate was not convinced by it. He says, This is a bunch of baloney. Uh, and, you know, he, was, he wanted to let Jesus off, but he fell under the political pressure. They said, You're no friend of Caesar if you let somebody who says he's the king go. And, uh, and so he gave into to the political pressure, but he saw no evidence against Jesus. But there was all this false accusation going on. Recognize if you choose to serve Jesus, it's not a path for wimps. You need to expect false accusation and opposition that is unfair. Um, so waging spiritual war, how do you do it? Well, you need, first of all, to pursue peace with gentleness. Secondly, to expect unfair opposition. Thirdly, you need to use spiritual weapons. Look at verse 3. For although we live in the flesh, that is, we, we're human beings, right? We've we got a fleshly body. Uh, we... Do not wage warfare according to the flesh. In other words, according to this world's way of waging war, this, the old nature's way of doing things. Since the weapons, verse 4, <clears throat> Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing. That is raised up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive. And we are ready to punish every disobedience. So there's this idea of all, 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 every, every, every. There's nothing that these spiritual weapons cannot accomplish. With God's strength and power on our side. Uh, He mentions strongholds. Uh, the enemy can have a stronghold in a human being's life. You and I are—if uh, you—if you know Jesus Christ, you belong to Christ. You're part of His kingdom. You don't belong to the devil. The only territory Christ can—or ha- I mean—that Satan can have in your life is the territory you give him. You make a choice to follow a sinful path in your life. Uh, scripture says, "He who sins is a slave of sin," and, and there begins to be a sin habit. And the devil gets a foothold, and sometimes a stronghold, in your life. Uh, That doesn't mean you can't overcome it, but sometimes it can be very difficult. We need, at that point, to rely on one of the other weapons, which is the weapon of God's church. James 5 says, confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. I've seen that happen. You're dealing with something. You've got a stronghold in your life. And God's people. You take a few. Now don't tell the church gossip about that. okay? But go to the people that you can trust. And ask them to pray for you. That God would break. You don't have to give them a bunch of details. But just tell them this is the issue. Please pray for me. And let them pray for you. And intercede for you over time. And watch God's power be released in your situation to break a stronghold. You can do that on behalf of your kids. As your kid, if your kids go astray, you can pray for that stronghold to be broken. If you've got a family member who's gone off the deep end, you can pray against the strongholds of the enemy in that family member's life. It's a powerful thing. Um, so this, this weapon of prayer, spirit-filled prayer, is especially important if you look at ephesians 6 he lists the pieces of armor but then he says praying always in the spirit that is led by the spirit praying under the direction of the spirit is another way you could take that um let the holy spirit lead you in your prayers have you ever had somebody just come up upon your heart and you felt like i just this person's, I'm burdened for this person. I need to pray for this person. Take that seriously and then let the, ask the Holy Spirit to pray through you and ask him to intercede through you for that individual. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Uh, so it, we tear down strongholds. The Word of God also does that, by the way. Uh, that's one of our most powerful weapons. Uh, if you look at Ephesians 6, all the pieces of the armor are in some way related to the Word of God. The Word of God is incredibly powerful to break strongholds. Isn't it amazing that the enemy, I think the enemy has been on a campaign to stop the preaching of the Word of God in the churches in America. Sometimes he's done it through liberalism. Sometimes he's done it by telling people, well, this is church growth, you can't can't tell people that. People won't listen to that. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The only hope we have is that the truth found in God's Word. If there's hope for this country, if there's hope for the church of this country, it's going to be found in God's Word. So it's a spiritual weapon, and it can break strongholds. Listen, be in the Word of God. I heard the testimony. It was really a neat program. I believe it was either on Focus on the Family or it was on James Dobson's new uh, radio broadcast, but uh, this lady was a tenured professor at Syracuse University. She was a lesbian. She heard that Promise Keepers was coming to town, and she wanted to write against it. And so she was gathering information. She was also writing a book against Christianity from a gay perspective. She taught uh, homosexual studies in the the school there. So she began to read God's Word because she felt like, I need to understand what I'm writing against. And she was reading eight, nine chapters of Scripture a day, reading through the Bible. One of her friends one day came up to her and said, what's going on with you? You're changing. Well, can I tell you something? Today, she is no longer a lesbian. She's married, and I believe she said she had seven kids. She uh, is an evangelical Christian who speaks for Jesus all over the country. Listen, don't tell me the Word of God doesn't have power. It breaks strongholds. Um, So, uh, also, the Spirit-filled quotation of Scripture is a very powerful weapon. When you are talking with another Christian, and the Spirit of God lays a Scripture upon your heart to share, make sure you share it. You may not know what's going on in that person's life. You say, hey, this scripture just came to mind. I'd like to share it with you and share it with them. Uh, I, I remember, and this was not even a scripture. This was just something I felt, I felt like God led me to share this story with this lost man. And I, share this, I, I really didn't understand how it could have any help whatsoever in uh, helping him come to Christ. But I saw after I shared the story, there's a little tear in his eye. I don't even know how it touched him to this day. But somehow, something in that story touched his heart. Listen, God knows what's going on in somebody else's heart. You and I don't. Uh, There have been times I've been talking with a Christian brother or sister, and they begin to share about what God's been saying to them, or they begin to share something from God's Word. And it's like they've been reading my mail you are speaking directly to my heart, directly to my issues, and they don't even know it. If you just follow the, the leading of the Spirit of God, do this with your kids. Quote a scripture verse. My, my mom used to always quote me. I couldn't figure this one out. The way of the transgressor is hard. <laughs> quote, quote your kids some scripture. Isn't it amazing? She would quote that to me quickly. She, Roy Roger, the way of the transgressor is hard. I still remember that to this day. Let God, through you, speak into the heart of people around you uh, and use you in his spiritual warfare in their lives. And so uh, he also mentions in verse 4, We demolish arguments. Sometimes there is a spiritual blindness that comes upon people. Uh, the Bible talks about that for lost people. Satan, the God of the sages, blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest they should come to the knowledge of the truth. And so there's a spiritual blindness. Uh, sometimes there can be a blind spot in a Christian's life. Um, and these these arguments, we demolish arguments. Paul's got a group of people who are teaching false doctrine. How's he going to demolish those arguments? Well, I'm sure he does does it through the word of God. But I think there's also some prayer happening here. God opened people's eyes to the truth. Look at this, verse 5. And every proud thing, that's, that's pretty, every exalted thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. Raised up by whom? Raised up by the enemy. Every weapon in his arsenal. Every strategy that he has, every proud thing can be overcome with these spiritual weapons. Another weapon is worship. By worship, I'm talking about praise and thanksgiving. When I pray, God, I praise you because you're faithful. I praise you because you're good. I praise you, Lord, because you've always been with me. And and I've seen... Uh, just how you've worked in my life. I've seen your goodness. I've seen. Uh, you begin to praise God. Lord, I thank you. Even though I'm in the midst of a problem, that you're with me. I thank you, God, that you have an answer even when I don't have an answer. And you begin to praise and you begin to thank God. There's a power. Ask Jehoshaphat. He set the singers out in front at Israel as they worshiped God. Israel won the victory. God threw their enemies into confusion. Praise is a spiritual weapon. Praise Him in the good times. And there's an old song that said, in the good times, praise His name, and the bad times do the same. That is great theology. You praise God every single time, every single day. Praise God. Why? Because it strengthens you. It draws you closer to the presence of God, and it is a spiritual weapon God uses against the enemy. Use that spiritual weapon. Um. <clears throat> Another thing that God will use to help you in your struggle with the evil one is being regularly with God's people. I need you, you need me, we need each other. That's what the Bible says. Um, Well, I can worship God on the golf course. Yes, you can, but you cannot have community on the golf course. Community is what happens when we begin to share with each other. That happens, that's one great reason to do uh, Sunday school, small group, that kind of thing. Because it helps you to be able to share, these are my burdens, this is why I need prayer. Uh, it, it, and there's this support system. Did you know that when you are down, probably there's another Christian in the church who's up. And they can encourage you. And then maybe next week they're down and you're up and you encourage them. God uses that to give us strength in the battle. Because, listen, all of us need each other. God has designed it that way. So don't rob yourself of that. Some people, they, they get out of church, they're not involved in the things of God, and they wonder why they begin to drift. I even saw, I was actually going to church, and I didn't know it. But uh, I began to suspect it after a while. We had a liberal pastor. And he wasn't preaching the word. And I began to drift spiritually in my life. And finally, I made a decision me and Sherry we're going to go to a church that where the word of God's preached. I need it, <laughs> I, I need God to speak into my life. So um, pursue peace with gentleness, expect unfair opposition. Use spiritual weapons and then destroy Satan's work. Destroy. We verse four. We demolish. Demolish. I was I was playing with uh, Beckham this week, my little grandson, and uh, Sherry started this, and then we were both trying to do it, and see so he was knocking down. But we try to build a little tower with the blocks, and he'd come around. He'd, Bam! Knock it. it fly everywhere. Bam! Demolishing. He's demolishing those, uh, whatever they were we were trying to make. And uh, he was having a big old time. He was laughing. He was having the biggest time doing that, demolishing those. Listen, that's what we're to do. Did you know you are, you and I are not just supposed to play defense as Christians? We're supposed to play offense. We're supposed to demolish Strongholds. How do you do that? Well, one way is persistent prayer. As you pray for somebody, and then you ask God to use it. Um, you know somebody who's lost, and you put them on your prayer list, and maybe you invite them to your house, and and you have dinner or whatever. But but you are investing in that person over time, and maybe you get in a conversation, and God begins to work. But but you are going after the devil's territory, and when a soul is saved, the devil. Loses ground. That's what we're called to do. We're called to take his territory. We're not just called to play defense. Listen, we've gotten so uh, cowed by the culture. I think in Christianity in America that we're no longer willing to speak the truth. There's all of this, this, the lies out in the world and the the. The evil one is leading people astray. we got people, they don't know their right hand from their left. They can't even tell whether they're a man or a woman in our culture. They need help. And God's people are silent. We have the truth. We've got to speak the truth. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You say, well, I might get canceled. Well, it might be a good thing you get canceled if... You have to compromise your beliefs to be accepted on social media. Well, I might have somebody unfriend me, or I might have somebody cease to be my friend. I remember I witnessed to one guy in the military. uh, He'd always sat right next to me. The next day, he sat on the opposite side of the table because I talked to him about Jesus. (laughs) Listen. God will reward you. If you get some persecution over speaking truth in love, God will reward you. But we're called to destroy Satan's, Satan's work. So speak the truth in love. Share the gospel with people around you as you're able to do so and as they're open to hear. And God will use you. Waging spiritual war. How do we do it? Pursue peace with gentleness. Expect unfair opposition. Use spiritual weapons and destroy Satan's work. As God's people, that's what we're called to do—to wage a spiritual war. Um, <clears throat> king David was—he uh, not wasn't yet king, but he was fleeing from Saul, and he goes to the priest Ahimelech, and he's looking for a sword. He has to flee quickly. He doesn't have any weapons. He says, uh, do you have anything? And he says, well, yes, I have the sword of Goliath of Philistine who you killed in battle. And he said, give that sword to me. He says, there's none like it. I'm going to tell you something. There's none like our Savior. I want to tell you something. There's nothing like the power of his word. I want to tell you something. There's nothing like the power of God's people. Consistently calling out to Him in prayer on behalf of lost souls. Oh, the power of it! My last church, we saw we saw God do. I, I can only describe it as supernatural. It wasn't me, but God. We've been praying for God to bring revival, and God brought revival. And it's like God spoke. It was the most uncanny thing I've ever seen. We went from having things one way to having things completely different. And people were at the altar. I, I couldn't get people to come to the altar. People were all over the altar weeping in conviction over sin. People were being saved every service. Listen, that's what when God shows up. It's not about what you can do or what I can do. It's about what He can do. And all He has to do is speak. That's the power he has. There's none like him. So don't ridicule the devil. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, Michael the archangel says, the Lord rebuke you. But don't be afraid of him either because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Stand up, speak up, move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? He loves you. Jesus paid the price for you at Calvary's cross. Every sin was laid upon Jesus that you've ever committed. And he died for it, and he said, it is finished, and he rose again. And the Bible says if you'll make a choice to turn from your sin in your own way, to follow Christ and receive that gift of eternal life, that he'll save your soul. If you'd like to do that this morning, I'm going to invite you here in just a moment to do that. We're going to have a time of invitation here in just a moment, and uh, I'm going to invite you to come, and I'll pray with you here, or you can come to the altar and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you, and I receive that gift of eternal life. If you're here today as a child of God, maybe you have been just kind of lacked. You've not been in the Word of God as you should be. Maybe you haven't been in prayer as you should be, and uh, and there's some some issues in your life that you need to begin doing warfare about. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and tell tell the Lord, Lord, I've kind of failed to 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 do warfare in my life and help me to do that in the power of your spirit if you need prayer I'll be here at the front let's pray father we thank you for your word thank you for the fact that your power is so great and Lord your your gospel is so powerful that souls can be saved through it lives can be changed through it Thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, I pray for these who are gathered here today. I don't know what uh, personal battles they're facing or what they may be facing in their families. Or, um, God, we, we just ask that you would use us as a body to wage warfare spiritually through prayer and through your word and through this body of believers so that we can see victory, and we can take the devil's territory.